This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Commercial with a state podcast. And welcome back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm Corey Wright. And I'm your other sometimes host, Matt Scalina. Long time no see. It is. You look tanned. <laughs> that's, just, that's just me getting burnt driving here. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we go any further, Corey, we've got to say we have Clayton Olson on the show today, Associate Director, Property Tax Consulting at Altus Group. This was actually, we just got off the line with Clayton. This was a phenomenal conversation. See, a lot of people don't understand how much impact, good or bad, property taxes have on commercial properties, whether you're a tenant or a landlord. So we wanted to have Clayton on to kind of unpack a little bit how these taxes work, how they're assessed, the impact they have on tenants. And and, And owners. And owners as well, right? And that's one thing too, is from a landlord perspective, a lot of people look at these costs, do get passed on to these tenants in a triple net lease situation. But a lot of these tenants, they don't really care when they give you a check for 5500 where it goes. They just know they're giving you 5500 bucks a month and that's their rent. So as these triple net costs go up and the property taxes, nine times out of 10 is the largest contributing factor to the increases, those rent checks get bigger and bigger and bigger from a tenant standpoint. And you get to a point where sometimes those tenants can't pay. So it's really important to understand how the process works. If you want to appeal your property taxes, what goes into them, how what's, what's a mill rate. Right. All that stuff. So Clayton kind of unpacks everything. Very interesting episode. Great conversation with Clayton. So stay tuned for that. And Corey, it sounds like last week you talked about your trip to Disneyland. Me and Rod, we touched on it a little bit. Yeah. But I I have some very, I I have some specific questions. Ask away. Let me put my materials on first. Well, I I don't know how many people listening have been to Disneyland. I have not been to Disneyland. You're missing Uh, out. Is that true? You're missing out. It's... Yeah, I was going to say, first of all, is it an enjoyable trip for you or did you do it just for your kids? Uh, well, so we had booked Disneyland. So our kids are four and six now. We had booked Disneyland to go in May of 2020. So everyone knows March of 2020, everything shut right. down, right? Going now when they're four and six and they're of the right height to get on rides, the first trip was 100% selfishly booked by me. <laughs> Right. right. There's no way these kids would have gone on any rides now in hindsight. Hold my drink. Yeah. In <laughs> hindsight, these kids would have got on no rides, but it was, it was great. I haven't been probably for, I think I was 10. Right. The last time I was there now. So now I'm 27. So that's 17 years. <laughs> yeah. So, so I haven't been, I, for the listeners, Corey's yeah. actually 65. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been 27, at least 20 years in a row. And it's, it's, it's a magical place when you go in there. I think one thing too, is because as kids, you grow up with Disney characters and Disney movies, and it sort of plays a large part of your life. So when you go there, you kind of, you go on the Dumbo ride. Right. Right. You right. see Mickey Mouse. So there's a lot of that stuff. And then when you experience it with your kids, when they're going through the stuff, obviously they're not watching the same movies, but when they're going through the stuff and they can relate to the characters, and then you see the Toy Story guys walking around and you yeah. go on the Toy Story ride, it works well for both. But it was a selfish trip booked for me. No questions asked. Well, okay. And here's the the other question I have for you. Before you left, you mentioned 40 above. 
You mentioned yeah. COVID outbreaks. Yeah. And you mentioned today that they were at capacity every single day, which is yeah. 85,000 people. Yeah, I, inqu- I inquired with the people there. I'm like, how many people actually go to Disneyland? And they told me, now they, again, there's two parks side by side. So you got Disneyland on one side and then California Adventure Park, which is like your Pixar characters right. and cars and all that right, stuff. Right, right, And the girl in Disneyland told me that Disneyland capacity is 85,000 people plus staff. And so two things. One, did you feel safe? Did you feel like you're ever going to faint from the heat? And uh, how long were the lines? Well, so here, here's the thing. So to be honest with you, when we got down there, it was only 28 or 29 degrees. So it was cooler than we expected, which was great. But again, you are walking around with 85,000 people, hot rides and concrete everywhere. Right. So it feels like it's hotter than what it is. I completely lost. Oh, no. Uh, lines. Lines. Because oh, in lines. my mind, oh, yeah. it's like, lines. isn't it just standing Sorry. in lines all day? Sorry, I was thinking Cheerio sticks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> lines. Um, so there's a thing called... Genie Plus that you can buy. It's $20 more per person per yeah, day. Yeah. And it gives you what they call lightning lanes. So you can go stand in the the peasant line with wait for two hours, or you go book yourself the lightning lane for yeah. 20 bucks per day. And it tells you what time to show up at. So for example, me and me and my older son Owen, we would go on Thunder Mountain. And these and these kids have never been on rides and yeah. I've never ridden the Matterhorn or Thunder Mountain or whatever so many times in a row than I did with the kids. But we'll book a lightning lane and it will say like 1.30. So we'll book ourselves in for 1.30. We'll do other rides up until that point. And then we go up there, we scan our app because it all comes on an yeah. app now. Scan our app at 1.30 and we just walk by everyone and just walk right on. Does the anybody uh, harass you as you're doing that? Well, if they did, I would just say, hey, just pay the 20 bucks. Like, yeah. like it's, 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 Makes it worth it, the 20 bucks, because you get on so many more rides, and especially later at night. We got to the point where we were literally going from the Matterhorn to the Teacups to Thunder Mountain to Pirates back to the Matterhorn, because you just book these lighting lanes and you just off you go. So you do it again? 100% right now. I got, I'm debating about going at Christmas time. Is that right? Selfishly, I want to go for Christmas. I was going to say, maybe we should wait and do Clayton next week and we should just do it in <laughs> Disneyland. <laughs> That's, that's no, how, that's I think I'm my curiosity is how much is, rent is, is this saturated. ice cream stand paying in here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, maybe we should uh, cut to our talk uh, with Clayton Olson, associate director, property tax consulting at Altus Group. I learned a lot, and this was actually a very useful conversation for understanding the commercial real estate market, yep. an area that we haven't really touched on. Great episode. And one thing you learn in this episode that if your neighbor pisses you off, you actually got a tool you can use. <laughs> Enjoy, guys. This podcast is presented by Impact Commercial. Impact Commercial. John, Allen, the team over there are fantastic. They've been, all been on the show. They have, yeah. Friends of the show. Great guys. Wealth of experience. They can help with all your commercial financing needs. Whether it's owner-occupiers, land development funds, commercial investments, or multifamily, these guys got you covered. And they recently obtained their CMHC correspondent lender status. So for all your commercial lending needs, visit them at impactcommercial.ca. That's impactcommercial.ca. Okay, so we're here with Clayton Olson, Associate Director, Property Tax Consulting at Altus Group. How you doing, Clayton? Really good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much for taking the time today, Clayton, uh, especially in deep August. You should be at the beach, but you're here. We appreciate it. No worries. Maybe, uh, maybe can you start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. 
so I'm I'm in a real, real estate appraiser by trade. I spent the first 11 years of my career in a variety of appraisal-related roles at BC Assessment, actually. And a lot of that time was spent as a assessment appeal case manager working on a variety of major property types, including major retail properties, development land, industrial properties, etc. At the beginning of this year, I decided to make the jump to the private world. And it's where I joined Altus Group as a an associate director here in uh, property tax consulting. So my my role here now is I work with various clients to navigate the property tax process here in BC. So that ranges from from things like assessment, appeal, negotiation, advocacy, and litigation to due diligence, reporting, tax projections, and, and basically any any other consulting services to do. With, with properties and, and property tax. Personally, I, I'm originally from Kamloops, um, did my undergrad up there at TRU, and I've been down in Vancouver for about 12 years, currently living in North Burnaby. And that's that's about it. Very, very good. It strikes me that uh, you were on the inside and now you've you've come to the outside to, to help people fight against the the BC assessments, which is kind of a, a, a noble, uh, noble purpose. Just thinking when you work for BC assessment, like does BC assessment get those assessments right most of the time in your, in your mind? You know, I mean, the thing you got to understand with it is, is that they're doing mass appraisal. So they're, they're assessing over 2 million properties every year. They assess every single property. And I mean, you, you got to expect that, they're going to miss something. Now, one of the one of the common misconceptions about assessments is that they're they're kind of always low, and one of, one of the reasons behind that is is well, we've I mean for the last I don't know how many years we've been kind of in, in an uprising market, and and so the assessments when the assessment comes out at the beginning of July, or sorry, the beginning of January. It's uh, it's actually a reflection of a market value estimate as of July of the previous year. So by the time it comes out, it, it's already six months dated, and and in a fast moving market, I mean, I mean, you're, you're already well past what what that could be. So I mean, there there is there is that in some cases a misconception that that assessments are always low. I, I think they're always just behind. Now that being said, I mean. When you start digging into individual properties and, and specifically commercial properties, I mean, there's as as Corey is, is well aware. I mean, I mean, almost every commercial property is different, and I mean, there's there's so many different complexities, and so to to expect a, a corporation like BC Assessment to always get it right, I mean, I mean, it's just it's just not going to happen, and 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 that's kind of where we come in into play. Well, well, Clayton, one reason why we wanted to have you on the show today is a lot of our listeners may or may not know how much effect commercial property taxes have on commercial real estate. And mainly when we talk about leases, we have triple net leases and stuff like that, where all these costs get passed on to the tenants. And one thing we, you know, you could probably draw some conclusions to it is as we talk about inflation rates and, you know, property taxes is right in there with that stuff on a commercial real estate side of things, all these costs eventually get passed over to us as consumers. Can you maybe break down a little bit for our listeners there? 
how property taxes work and how they're sort of evaluated for it. Because uh, you yeah. know, commercial real estate owners, you get a bill for $20,000 one year and next year it's $26,000. Can you maybe break down a little bit about sort of like how that incremental increase happens and how it's looked at? Yeah, for sure. So the assessments come out, as I mentioned before, every every year at the beginning of January. And and basically the, the assessment is a market value as of as of July first. So so that's one component of, of the property taxes is is getting your assessment and then you go through the appeal process if if that's something you choose to do. And then once once that assessment is finalized, then those assessments are sent to the municipalities. And it's at that point the municipalities will come up with their their mill rates or their tax rates, and and they apply those tax rates to to the assessed values. So it's important to to remember that I mean not always if your assessment goes up, it doesn't always necessarily mean that your taxes are going to go up. I think that the more important thing to to look at is what is your assessment doing in comparison to to comparable properties. So. For example, if you have a multifamily building and your property goes up, say, 30% year over year, whereas whereas competing properties, properties that are similar to yours, only go up 15, then, then yeah, you can expect that, uh, that that your taxes are most likely to go up. Typically, the, the mill rates, tax rates, are, are based, on, based on the municipality's budget. So depending on, I mean, always know that that oftentimes those budgets continue to go up so it's always kind of a balancing act for the municipality to what they want to set the rates at and and, and how that relates with the assessed values in the lower mainland clayton i feel like this was this was probably back in 2016 it seemed like it was a hot topic when foreign buyers in the residential world at least were thought to be very active in the market and one of the reasons Vancouver or the lower mainland was so attractive was because we had very low property taxes on the residential side. I think some of the lowest property taxes or lowest mill rates in in North America. Is that the case? What's the relationship, I guess, between residential and commercial real estate when it comes to how they calculate property taxes? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really it's really municipality dependent. I mean, you, you'll get some municipalities where that spread is is, is very large and and somewhere where it's it's not quite and, and and that really just depends on on the population base and and split between how many residential properties and how many commercial properties are in the municipality. At the end of the day, the municipality needs a certain amount of money to to operate. So they're they're gonna distribute that that tax burden as they see fit. But I mean I mean in a typical situation, I mean you're gonna see a, a residential tax rate anywhere from Four to to five per per thousand dollars in assessed value, and then you're going to see commercials between. I mean, it can get as high as as twenty five, and and as low as ten. But I mean, typically you're you're looking at least seven eight percent higher. Sometimes, oftentimes, a lot higher than that. Almost double for a commercial property. And and can we say, or do you know? I guess who the worst offenders are in terms of municipalities. For for those real high rates, <laughs> I don't I don't I don't have that handy in front of me right now. This would explain a lot why Starbucks coffee seven dollars now. <laughs> Clayton, one thing one thing we hear about too, especially in the commercial real estate side, is is as 
municipalities are, are, are further being developed and gentrification comes in, some of these single-family homes get assembled and become development sites. Or even some of these older, let's say, industrial buildings or whatever that, they become better used, better used, <laughs> better used, if I get my English right here, for a higher and best use under, say, a new OCP. And what happens is, you know, Matt here owns the... $20,000 rickety little industrial yard at the corner there. And he goes and sells it to one of our big developer friends for $10 million. The property is assessed at a million bucks. And before you know it, the brokers are all getting letters and phone calls from BC assessment trying to figure out why did that property sell so much higher than the assessed value in that circumstance there. And let's say that information becomes readily available to BC assessment. How, what, what does BC assessment do with that? If they find out it sells for 10 million for development purposes and the site was assessed at, say, a million dollars. How do they take that in consideration when they're reassessing the site for the next year? Or sites nearby, too. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, the, the assessments are based on the market value. The thing is, is that, I mean, you really have to understand the, the motivations behind that, and you have to understand when when there's speculation or or what, what that sale price is actually based on. And I mean, at the end of the day, this assessment is required to reflect the, the the market value. But that being said, they have to operate under the parameters that are set. So what is the OCP? What is the zoning? What was that sale purchased on? Was it was it purchased on the allowable density under the OCP or was it purchased on on something more than that? And 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 ultimately BC assessment has to has to basically get to the bottom of what those sales are indicating and 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 I mean, and that's and that's why I mean it's important to 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 really review your assessment and 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 understand the sales that this assessment is using to to set that assessment. So let's say, for example, I, I get that assessment as a landowner, and I think my value has gone up way too much, and I have to pass these costs on to my tenants in this commercial situation. And I want to be as diligent as I can as a landlord to try to minimize their costs so they can afford to pay my rents. What can I do in that situation? What is the appeals process? Who do I engage for the appeals process? And what is the process that, that will actually play out? And how long does it take? So as I mentioned previously, so the, the assessments come out on a yearly basis every every January. And the property owners have the right to appeal their assessment by January 31st of every year. It's important to note that that you can't appeal to there's there's two levels of appeal and I'll get, go through those in a sec here but you can't appeal to the second level and, unless you've appealed to the first so that first level of appeal it's called the property assessment review panel and 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 after you submit your appeal by the end of January that panel basically runs through February and March and, and it's a very high level um, oftentimes like here at Altus, when we're acting on behalf of clients, we'll engage in, in high-level negotiations with, with the assessor. There's opportunities for online tribunal hearings um, if you aren't able to agree on, on a value. And then at that point, if you still disagree with, with what these assessments putting forth as an assessment, you have the opportunity to appeal to the second level of appeal, which is the Property Assessment Appeal Board. And, and that's a little bit more of an in-depth process. So the board, in, in that case, will assign an appeal case manager who basically guides a, a mediation process. So we'll, we'll be engaged in uh, appeal management calls, settlement conferences, 
we'll be submitting written appraisal submissions and even going to to oral hearings. And uh, and those negotiations do take place through the year. One thing that strikes me is is if you're on the residential side, you have MLS, so you have tons of of data, and you're just doing straight comparable analysis, presumably to to get to the market value for residential properties. First of all, it seems like there's some more detective work on establishing the value on the commercial side, but also there's a different way to assess value in commercial. Do, does that play a role in how how these assessments are done? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the thing is, is that there's an ongoing joke in the appraisal field is you can talk to four different appraisers and you're probably going to get four different four different opinions of value. I mean, that's, that's no different when you, when you're talking about assessments and there's, there's some key things to, that that we have to be aware of when we are reviewing an assessment. Um, You're not, you're not only looking at the market value. Yes. So you're looking at market sales in when we're talking about commercial properties, you're also looking at, you're looking at market rents, you're looking at market cap rates, you're looking at, at expenses, you're looking at vacancy rates, but another thing, and, and I would say like maybe 75% of, of the appeals that we move forward with are, aren't even necessarily on a market value basis. They're more on a, what's, what's referred to as equity. So basically it's, it's, it's a fairness. So you have to be treated similarly to other properties that, that would be considered the competitive market set to your property within the same jurisdiction. So that's, that's one of the big reviews that we would be undertake at all to this is, is is reviewing other properties to make sure that 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 our clients' properties are are assessed fairly. One other thing, or a couple other things that we do look look at as well, in addition to to the actual assessed value, is is, is the tax classification. We talked earlier about about tax rates, and depending on the uh, tax classification that the property falls within, you're you're going to see a different tax rate. So. And and oftentimes those tax rates will, will will differ by quite a bit. So, and and that that classification just depends on on what your property is used for. And then and then and then there's also other other property related taxes too that that we have to consider. Would there be a reason, or have you ever done an appeal to increase the property taxes on a property? Um, I mean, not really. No, I mean, I mean the thing is like. You see it oftentimes more on the residential side, where if someone is thinking they want to sell their property, it's it's a common thought that uh, that people look at the assessed value. And I mean, I'm sure you guys could could speak a little bit better to that. But I mean, I mean, I, you have seen it over the years where where people think that that's going to have an impact, and and they will they will ask for for an increase. But um, I mean, I mean, on on the commercial side, I mean. Typically, typically, no. I mean, I wouldn't say that 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 is a, a typical practice. Maybe put another way: Is there any negative implications for challenging the assessed value of your commercial property? Yeah, I mean, one of the things we do at Altus is is when when we do have a client and we are reviewing their assessments at the beginning of the year, we are doing a cost benefit analysis of going ahead with with that appeal, right? I mean, I mean, you have to consider. What uh, what kind of tenants do you have in there? What are they paying? How does that compare to what what the assessor is is applying? And is there a chance? Because I mean, there's always a chance that if you go down this road, and I mean, the property may may be low, and and there has been cases where 
where, where maybe the assessor will seek a higher value. So, so yes, I mean, that's, that's part of our role here is, is, is managing that risk and, and giving recommendations as to if, if a, if a person should appeal or not. What is it, what's taken into consideration by the assessors when they're looking at these appeal cases or maybe better yet, what do you bring forward on your client's behalf? Is there certain things that, that you look for when you do an appeal and say, Hey, you have that in this property? No problem. We definitely feel we can get the value down. Yeah, I mean, it really depends on on the type of property. But I mean, if you're if you're talking about an income producing property, I mean, you, the, the first place you're going to start, you're going to start by looking at the rent. When BC Assessments assessing a income producing property, they're they're using the income approach to values. So they're ultimately trying to establish a net operating income using market rents. So first thing you're going to do is you're going to look at you're going to look at either the market rents in the area, you're going to, and you're going to look at the rents that that your that your property is generating, and you're also going to be looking at what kind of vacancy um, are you seeing in that property. Does it does it fit in line with with what BC Assessments using as as what they refer to as a, as a market stabilized vacancy rate, and then and then also cap rates. They're they're using stabilized market cap rates and and you're going we're going to look at sales in the area and, and see if those those cap rates are supported and then when when you're talking about development land or or uh, vacant land um you're still looking at sales but i mean you're looking at costs you're looking at servicing costs you're looking at basically anything to do to to develop that land whether it be rezoning what kind of dccs cacs how does that compare to other properties that are similar so yeah, I mean, there's 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 a lot of a lot of complexity to to commercial property when when it when dealing with an assessment. So let's say me and Matt we own a lot side by side in a in a gentrifying area. We'll just for argument's sake, so they're each ten thousand square feet, very similar in stature. And Matt goes and sells his piece of land for ten million dollars to a developer. Me as the neighboring landowner, should I be nervous? At this point, from a tax perspective, that he just sold for so much and that now I have no need to sell, I don't want to sell, that now I'm going to be getting a really, really nice letter come January about a much higher assessment value on my property, which I'm sure our friends at City Hall are going to love. And then that's going to eventually roll over into higher property taxes sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if, if that property, uh, if, if, if it's a market transaction, then um, I mean, yeah, I would, I would, I would definitely be, be a little concerned. I mean, on one, on one hand, I mean, you have a property that's worth ten million dollars potentially. Uh, on the well, other hand, most violin for Corey. It, yeah, it, <laughs> the, the biggest gain on paper uh, ever, but still no money it, in the bank. It's, uh, it's, it's one of the only, it's one of the only assets where where people oftentimes get concerned when it goes up in value, but. <laughs> Uh, but no, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, like it, it really just comes down to to knowing about that sale and what kind of speculation went into that sale. Was it was it actually based on on fundamentals or or was it based on speculation? And and at the end of the day, BC assessment when they're saying the assessment, they 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 can't make assumptions. They, they have to go with with what what the zoning is, what the OCP is, and I mean if. One sale doesn't necessarily make a market, but I mean, if if you got a few sales in an area, and there's developers in that area looking to purchase, and I mean, yeah, I would, I would, I would start to expect that you're going to see some of those those taxes increasing for sure. 
You know, just thinking about using Corey's example there, the property owner next door who didn't sell is getting nervous, right? As I understand it, property taxes are passed on to the tenant. So I guess two questions. One, uh, and maybe this goes to both of you, why should the owner actually care? Because it doesn't actually come out of his or her pocket. And two, is it possible for a tenant who's actually paying the property taxes to appeal? Or do they have to go through the owner and kind of really aggressively pursue it through the owner if they're if they really believe their property taxes are too high? Well, Clayton, I'll leave the yeah, second so, one to you. <laughs> sure. Yeah, go ahead. So just to why the landlord should care is because a lot of times small business tenants or any tenants for that matter really don't really care how their check to you is distributed. They just know that I'm paying you forty three hundred and fifty six bucks a month, and what happens is if those triple net, if that property tax jumps dramatically, my triple net costs go up dramatically. Next year, that check might not be three forty three fifty six; it might be fifty one ninety, and that difference could be the difference for me making or breaking my business. And if I unfortunately if I can't make those rent payments to you as Mister Landlord, eventually you're gonna you're gonna say enough's enough, and you're gonna move me out. So now you're not getting rent from me. You may not be getting rent from anyone at that point. You have commissions and all these costs to retenant the property. And depending on you know, in the situation of the business cycle, if it's not a very attractive market for tenants at that time, inflation's high and everything, you might have a lot more vacancy down the road. So that's why, I mean, from a landlord perspective, you want to be as diligent as you can with your triple net cost to your tenants because that has great effect on them operating their business and eventually actually making their rent to you. It's kind of just, just as an aside, it seems like it, there's an interesting relationship here where market values being high lead to higher property taxes, which potentially lead to rents going down if property taxes get too high. Well, what you'll find too, and there's a great story here, and Clayton, I don't mean to, to take out your time here, is if you look at the Joey's on West Broadway, and Clayton, you might know a lot about this and maybe jump in. There was a Joey's restaurant on West Broadway. And the story goes, and this is secondhand information, so I, I can't say it's 100% true, but after their 10-year period, their um, you know, sky train's coming you know, down that area. Density changed dramatically. The OCP allowed for a lot more density on their site, and thus property taxes went way, way up on their site. The landlord went to Joey's, and Joey said, hey, we can't renew because we can't make any money at that. And apparently, they even offered them less base rent than what they were paying in their previous term to try to make up for those property taxes, and it still didn't work for them enough they walked away from the property. And that property sent vacant, huge property sent vacant for very, very long. So that's an example from a landlord perspective where that there caused dramatic problems to them. The tenant couldn't operate. They had even tried to reduce the rent they were collecting to make up for it. Still didn't make sense for the tenant. And there was probably a good 12 to mm-hmm. 20 month vacancy there. Robson. That kicked in. Robson too, Robson's right? another. Yeah. So Clayton, feel free to jump in if you have anything more well, to add. Well, actually, that. yeah. If you and also, I'm I'm curious to hear that that second question, Clayton. If you want to speak to that, are there tenants that reach out to you to to try and instigate the appeal appeal process? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and, and anybody in BC can appeal any property. Oh, interesting. Um, so that, I mean, that, that yeah. So I mean, you could appeal your neighbor's property, but uh, I don't I don't think I you're going to be the, <laughs> the most popular neighbor. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, yeah. Um, but uh, no, yeah. Tenants, tenants can definitely appeal the, the property taxes, and it's fully within their rights. And, and we do see it all the time, and and we do act on behalf of tenants for sure. So, in terms of just out of curiosity, from a hundred percent of your clients, would you say the the majority of them are tenants, or the majority of property owners? And and if somebody's interested in 
doing an appeal through Altus Group? Like, how, how does this how does this work? Do they pay? Is it by the hour, or how, how do you how does it get structured? Yeah, so I mean, I'd say I'd say majority of, of our clients at Altus are, are typically more on the owner side, but um, I mean, we do do represent tenants. When when it comes to like how how we work, typically we we try and kind of work on a what we refer to as as a turnkey basis. So if if we take on a client, uh, we're going to be reviewing their assessments of all their properties on a year to year basis and. Um, so when, when the assessments come out, we will, we'll make recommendations on, on which properties we think the, the assessments are reasonable and which properties we think that there's, there's something there and, and we'll recommend which ones we would like to, uh, pursue an appeal. And then, and then if appealed, then we will handle all the negotiation and litigation that comes along with that, including any sort of appraised reports and, and, and anything that comes along. And we will we will automatically review those assessments again on a year to year basis and, and handle all of the communications with the assessors. Now, I mean, when it comes to the cost of that, I mean, we're we, we have a variety of different different options. I mean, a lot of clients are just on a on a on a fee for service basis. So, yeah, essentially just paying for the review and and paying for for an hourly review of that and and consulting. We we also offer the, the opportunity to if if clients want to go more on a contingency basis we we will do that as well based on tax savings achieved so um, I, I'd say it's 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 a pretty pretty even mix on 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 how on how that works but but yeah so I guess you say you learn something new every day I did not know I could go appeal Matt's property taxes here so yeah yeah actually please don't i'm gonna apply to get your property taxes up um so is is it fair to say then that you've probably run into situations kind of like my example earlier where matt goes and sells his property for 10 million i'm the neighbor i don't want to sell you know his property taxes next year or his assessment comes out dramatically higher next year because of recent sales in the area is it fair to say that maybe the neighbor calls you and says hey my assessment's going to go up or has gone up my neighbors has gone up. This is why I want to appeal my neighbor's assessment. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, you, you're right. I mean, we, we get it all the time where where there'll be kind of appeals of an entire area when some of the owners in the area feel that that the, the increases aren't warranted. And and yeah, I mean, oftentimes we'll we'll represent multiple properties in an area. I mean, to to appeal your neighbor's property, I don't think it's necessarily going to do you too much much good and in that circumstance it's it's more getting the full details on that sale and, and understanding um if it's representative and 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 trying to distinguish your property from that property if if that's actually the case if if they're using that sale to 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 increase properties in the area you know this might be a tough question to answer but maybe as a final question we just we're in August, I guess July 1st is when the assessments were done. Mm-hmm. We're in a very different environment in 2022 than we were July 2021. Is your general feel that uh, that the assessments are going to be overall lower or higher when they are released in January? Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe I can throw that question even back to Corey. I mean, he's I mean, from from what we're starting to see, I mean, I think I think it's starting to slow down a little bit in terms of sales coming through, and I mean that that may create some opportunity 
in terms of assessments. I mean, the less the less evidence, the the, the harder it is to justify the assessment in place. That being said, I mean, it, it's really market specific, but it's, it's really hard to pr- project. But I mean, if if values, if for example, I, I mean, industrial continues to go through the roof year after year, and I mean, it, it seems to me that this year, I mean. I mean, values are continuing to to be strong, and, and so that's going to ultimately result in, in higher assessments in, in that property class for sure. Clayton, before we let you go, and we we know you're a busy guy here, we have a six-pack of lighthearted questions we ask all of our guests so we get to know you outside of the office. Do you have a few more minutes for us? Yeah, absolutely. The six-pack is powered by our good friends over at Red Point Law. Red Point Law, Corey, Tim, Falco, Scott, and the team, these are great people with a wealth of experience when it comes to commercial closings and private lending. And I just want to say, Corey, not to cut you off, they have a perfect five-star review on Google. So for all your commercial legal needs, visit them at redpointlaw.ca with offices in Vancouver and now open in downtown Kelowna. Okay, first question up. Favorite vacation spot when you find the time? Yeah, you know, I I actually grew up going out to Shushwap Lake. My my family had a place out there and and when I go out there it still still has that nostalgic feeling. I try to get up there as, as much as I can in the summer times. Nice. One book everyone listening should read. Everyone listening. Um that's tough, but um I'm going to go with my most recent one I finished, I guess. It was a very, very interesting read. Not at all real estate related, but sometimes you need that that mental break, I think. But a book called Red Notice by Bill Browder. It's very relevant for today, just what's going on in, in Russia and, and Ukraine. And it's, it's about Bill Browder, who was one of the one of the biggest hedge fund managers in Russia, who ultimately ended up exposing a bunch of oligarchs for corruption and became one of Putin's biggest, biggest targets. It just gives a really good insight into the corruption within Russia. And, and, and yeah, no, so that was, that was a very interesting read. You know, what? I, I think that's uh, the second time. I'm not sure if it was on the podcast, but somebody else has uh, recently recommended that book as well. Red Notice. Yeah. So you're sitting in the shoe swap, you got your headphones on, favorite band. You know, I don't know if it was the high school I went to or what, but I grew up a huge hip hop fan. And uh, I would have to say my favorite artist of all time would be a, a guy by the name of Lupe Fiasco. Oh, I'm, I'm going to date myself here. Okay. So Please do. when I was in, would it be my late teens or early 20s? I find myself at the Kanye West concert in Vancouver. And Lupe Fiasco was one of the opening acts. Amazing! That yeah. is early, yeah. early Kanye. Early Kanye. Remember when you used to walk around with the the sunglasses on that looked yeah, like yeah. it looked like blinds? You'd take off your yeah. grandma's window. That was the concert. <laughs> oh man! Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Lupe Fiasco. Well, one thing, Clayton, it's funny is it's a thread that we have here through the commercial real estate industry, all aspects of the industry. If you hit any level of success in this business. You listen to rap. <laughs> so many people come on here and they're like, my favorite guy is Biggie. Yeah, guys, yeah. guys you would not expect. We, we had we had Mob Deep one time. Yeah. We've had we've had them all. And it's all the good stuff. I guess we're all cut from the same cloth. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Uh Clayton, what are you watching or binging right now on on Netflix? 
you know, I'm, I'm one of those people that, that repeatedly watches the office. And I feel like it's just, I don't know what it is. It's, it's some sort of a comfort, some sort of a stress relief. But at the end of the day, sometimes we'll just toss on an episode of the office. It's a good way to kind of de-stress. No kidding. No kidding. All right. Second to last question for you, Clayton. You're on death row. What's your last meal? <laughs> I'm going to have to go with the bolognese from Ask for Luigi. Oh, oh interesting. Very. I've never been to Ask for Luigi. Oh, I've heard it's supposed oh, to be amazing. Oh, it's, it's great. I've always heard so many. Apparently, you got to get there right away because there's no seats. Right. Yeah, yeah. there's only a no, couple yeah. seats in there. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I don't know. Can don't you... Think- can you do reservations? I'm trying to remember. I don't think so. They might have changed it recently, but uh, but they never used to. So are they on DoorDash? They, uh, <laughs> they actually are. Oh, it's, it's, ghost uh, kitchen. Yeah. It's probably ghost that, kitchen. That's probably the ghost kitchen episode we had. <laughs> All right, Clayton. Last last one here. So you're at the shoe swap now. You, you, you've had been on the you, boat all you, day. You've been on the boat all day. You got the gangster rap going on the boat. You get off the boat. You're feeling <laughs> great about yourself. You stumble into a bar, and somebody gives you a karaoke mic. What song are you singing or rapping? Oh boy, probably Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> Good choice. I feel like that's. I feel like that's the one I've sung the most with my buddies. So I'll, I'll go with that. <laughs> I, I'm just thinking of that Wayne's World scene now. You and your buddies. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. That's where it all started for me too. <laughs> Well, how can people find out, uh, Clayton, more about what you're doing and more about what uh, Altus Group is up to? The best way to reach me is just on my cell phone, 604-366-2846, or connect with me on, on LinkedIn. And my email, uh, if you want to get in contact for anything to do with uh, property tax here at Altus, is clayton.olson at altusgroup.com. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Clayton, for your time. Uh, like I said at the outset, it's... Uh, it's it's deep summer here, so we really appreciate you taking the time away from uh, the beach, and uh, hopefully we'll have you back on. Absolutely, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Clayton. Take care. Yeah, Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. There you have it, folks. Our interview with Clayton Olson, tax consultant at the Altus Group. I took a lot away from that. I did not know... I could appeal your property taxes. <laughs> That's a big takeaway. That's a, <laughs> They're too low. They're yeah. too low. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You piss me off. You're going to be getting higher taxes next year because I'm going to call Clayton to get your taxes up. Well, and here the, in line with that, I think the big takeaway for me was that tenants often are the ones that are approaching Clayton and Altus group because obviously it's coming out of their pocket in the end and, uh, and they have some skin in the game. Again, I never knew that. Yeah. I thought I assumed the process had to go through the landowner and the landowner had to make the appeal as the owner of the land. I didn't realize the tenants could go make the appeal for the land. I guess ultimately they're probably paying the property taxes in a triple net situation. You know, and it, one other thing, just thinking out loud here, there was recently a, a diner, I think, in Kits that is shutting down because the, the rents are too high. And you, it, it's kind of like those love letters to Vancouver when people are leaving because, yeah. you know, they, they can't make a go of it here and they you, every six eight months you hear about a beloved business shutting down because their rents are too high i didn't realize that a significant portion of that potentially is property tax 100 percent. well you're looking at it like you, you see there's a very a couple of stories that could play themselves out sometimes you see these tenants 
that have been, I mean, in the property for 10, 15, 20 years, and they just have this long lease. And then the rates, you know, the lease comes up for renewal and they were paying 10 bucks and now it's 50 bucks because the area has matured over the past 10 years. So right. that's one scenario that plays itself out. Other scenarios that play themselves out is maybe you own the land and you've had it forever. So you don't want to really kind of increase the rents too much. And then you go sell the land. The next guy comes in. He's like, well, I have to pay my debt. So I can't afford to give it to you what Matt gave it to you because right. I just paid Matt $5 million and market rents are this. So that plays itself out. Or you have situations like we talked about on the episode there where I think it was a Joey's on West Broadway where the property taxes had gone up so much, pushing the additional rent costs up so much that the tenants like, Hey, I can't even make my business work here. Right. Right. And, and I, I mentioned Robson, I don't know, but presumably there's those kind of choice locations downtown that you're wondering why nobody's in them. Yeah. That, that, that plays a lot. And then where you find a lot of times too, is like say the West Broadway corridor for tenants that have been there for the past five or 10 years, when the SkyTrain wasn't talked about coming in the area, and all of a sudden now it is, the new OCP's coming out, there's greater density in the area. Some of these single-story buildings along there that are probably being assessed to the highest and best use, which is not a single-story building, that's where they see these massive property tax increases that they get to the point like, we can't operate it with this. We're, right. we're working to pay the landlord at this point. Maybe we'll leave it there, Corey, but for anyone listening, interested in getting in touch with you at William Wright, how can they get in touch? People can reach out to us anytime in our Vancouver office at 604-428-5255. Let us know what you're looking for. We'll put you in the best agent throughout the province that suits your needs. Visit our website, williamwright.ca, or they're always happy to drop me an email, Corey at williamwright.ca. Always happy to hear from people, good or bad. And always, uh, always happy to talk real estate. And uh, last but not least, of course, these episodes of the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast do live at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com as well, where we have summaries of all the past episodes, as well as a listening device. I don't think a lot of people listen on the website. But if you're interested, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com, where all things real estate related live. And uh, I think that's it. We're mid-August. Let's, uh, let's get out of here. Yep. Sounds good. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care. Subscribe today.